When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Well, hello there, everybody. Mark Ludlow here, the host of the Fearless Mindset Podcast. And the reason why I'm talking like this is because I'm freaking cold. I just did probably a 30-minute walk before Jim came on from Texas. And I'm like, I got to get my blood pressure going. I need to get my adrenaline going to get my endorphins going. So I have some energy on the show. So welcome back, folks. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. As you guys all know, I caught that nasty crap going around. And I was down for a little while. I'm sure you heard. And I had to wait for my voice to come back before I can invite Jim back on the show. So here we are. We uh, we are here. I'm in studio. Jim's joining us from Dallas. And Jim, thanks for joining us. By the way, you made that happen after the Dallas conference. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Uh, honored to be on. And uh, you're, you're a great professional, great friend uh, uh, in, in this world that we crazy uh, had to live every day with. But um Let's, uh, you know, let's see if we can help some folks out and um, give us some perspective on some things and uh, provide some value back to your audience and uh, love working with you and uh, now and in the future. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, I know uh, for the audience, you don't know Jim. Jim is a gifted writer. He's a gifted educator, a gifted trainer. We spent some time over at GSX together when I first met Jim. I had it showed me a copy of his book and he came over to our little happy hour event in uh, Dallas and we just connected from there. That was like what, eight months ago, something like that. Yeah. And then of course we uh, reconnected to church as well. And uh, Jim is very involved in church security as well. And he does writing and uh, he, he also, he was a panel speaker at the cloak protection conference in Dallas as well in December. He did a great job on that. Good job on that, Jim. And so that little background on Jim. Jim used to be in the corporate security at one time. And I think he's having more fun than he did now that he did that. Yeah, 28 plus years uh, at a Fortune 25 company uh, doing across the spectrum of converged security. And uh, the last stint was uh, a number of years in their EP program. Helping, helping mature that. So now, yeah, on my own, uh, doing the independent thing and uh, finding partners uh, like Mark and others that um, I can provide some value to uh, the unique pain points that I th- tend to focus on. Nice. So tell the audience, Jim, um, what really inspires you in this crazy industry called security, what really gets you out of bed and makes you lose sleep because you're excited to do it? That might be boring and dry to others. Yeah, you know, I I go back to my dad, my brother, and I were um, all with the same telecommunications company for combined about ninety six years. Wow! And there was a um, it was a great story around how I got into my passion for security. Uh, by one of my mentors. But, you know, in that, it really, when I was young, I didn't get it. Now I get it. But it's really around this really understanding why. 
And so why, whether you are in cyber or physical or EP or fraud or whatever, it, I really caught on to the why. And the why in my world, there was two things. And I, and I asked this question of every vendor that I ever sat down with, every new employee that I sat down with, mentors, mentees, et cetera, was, you know, why do we protect, in this case, a telecommunication service? Uh, why do we do security on that? You know, who, who cares, right? And so um, I said, number one was the ability for your grandma to pick up the phone and dial 911 and 100% of the time that it worked. That's why I wanted to step up. And number two was when Johnny wanted to call grandma and say, grandma, grandma, you know, uh, guess what I got in school today? I got an award, grandma. Aren't you proud of me that that phone call works? Hopefully 100% of the time. So it was it was establishing that why for why I was there. So I could take that into every industry. And if you don't know individually and, of course, for your client base, what their why is and ultimately what you're protecting that why against, um, you know, relook in the mirror. And so I, I encourage that of everybody. I, don't, I, I could, you know, give me some time and give me any company Let's figure out what their true why is, and that's why we're protecting it. So if that's our focus, uh, then it becomes fun. Then it becomes, and then the complexity of that, how do you scale it? How do you make it work from, as I, I say all the time, how do we make our stuff work from the church house to the White House? And I like so that, church how do you make, uh, And so how do you make things like um, executive protection work on a small scale for a small family? All the way up to a large operation. How do you make any of the thing, the services that we provide work in both lines? And that that's just a blast. Wow, what a trip! Now you mentioned telecommunication. I had heard that there's an ATD outage yesterday. Did the FBI come out with a uh, investigation results of that or anything? Have you heard? Um, you know, I obviously I saw the official response from um, AT&T. I've got a lot of great uh, peer professionals and friends that work in their security group. So they're awesome uh, security team there. But, uh, you know, ultimately, the FBI has their role. If uh, AT&T is smart enough to call them up if they have a need and have a concern. Yeah. And I know the local FBI office, which is where AT&T headquarters is. That that's a short drive away for those folks to look at those things. But but ultimately, um, you know, you, you look at any outage of any type of uh, critical infrastructure, and you always want to say, what did we learn from? And to me, if if nothing more than what did we learn from this? Could that whatever mistake or whatever problem it was, could that be exploited by criminals and other worse than criminal? Kind yeah, of folks. So I think there's a an interesting role that they play. Is was it was it bad? Was it criminal in, in nature? And if it wasn't, could it be used criminally? And so I think they've got any law enforcement have got a great role in those things. Whether you're you know a, a school issue all the way into a Fortune issue, Fortune 25 issue. Um, that, that's an interesting role because they they bring a, a again a perspective as we keep saying. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they find out. But my theory probably a cyber. Or maybe somebody unplugged the wrong wire at the modem or the hard drives. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the janitorial yeah, services that did it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a you know those worlds are complex. If you yeah. if your audience has never walked through a data center, 
uh, get a tour of a data center and oh, yeah. you'll, you'll get a new a new perspective on lots of wires and glass. Massively huge. Yeah. Yeah. So as the industry evolves, Jim, um, it's just ever changing, as you know. And, you know, we have a new type of economy. We have AI. We got IT. We got hackers. We got things going on globally. We have adversaries that want to take us out. And we have geopolitical issues going on. I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger geopolitically. And from a small scale, though, looking at the U.S., uh, um, and when you're writing, congratulations on your writing, by the way. You've been published, like, folks, he's been published, like, three or four times already. It's a big magazine. So congrats on your articles. You're getting published everywhere. Yeah, thanks. No, it's, uh, you know, connecting with folks and seeing if I – meet what they need in their world. And then um, uh, those uh, folks have a great job of, of editing and graphics and all that stuff. So again, just different perspectives, uh, four or five of those now and um, um, offering to help where I can. But yeah, it's, I'd say um, I, I write with, this may, this may sound mean, but I guess I'll be mean until I retire, but I, I write to lower excuses. You write to lower yeah. excuses. What does that mean? Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, so my first book, um, as as Mark kind of talked about, was called Converge Security Metrics, and it was all about the countless times we all sat in a conference, we saw sat in a room, we all sat with our peers. Says, we just don't have a way to measure security very well, and I was like, wait a minute, this can't be that hard, and so. Um, sat down and wrote a book to say, stop, stop. It may not be the only way you measure it, but now we have, and the book has 525 plus metrics that you can actually implement tomorrow. And the, the key is, is that, you know, when somebody comes out and says, I'm just not sure about, you know, how to measure and justify and stuff like that. Here, start, start here. And so, you know, as I wrote articles, um, the, the one that I wrote on EP around getting started in EP, because what, Mark, you and I are on forums all the time. We contribute. What do we hear all the time? I'd like to get in this industry. Where do I start? I'd like to get in this industry. Where do I start? So it's like, you know what? We keep saying it. We keep telling people, go back and look at previous posts. So I wrote an article that's called um, EP before the EP 101 class. And I send that link out all the time. Genius. When somebody says, I'd like to get started. And it really is before you take that first big class, you know what? Get a strategy for yourself. Look in the mirror. And so, it's a couple of pages and it really is around, it's based a little bit on my corporate experience and my first responder experience. And it's really around, hey guys, uh, you keep asking the same question. So uh, again, a resource uh, for the new folks that are out there or folks that are coming out of law enforcement and military. I love mentoring law enforcement and military and to be able to give them here, here's, here's step one through five. I'm not here to define what six through 12 is, but start here. Nice. Yeah, I saw that published. You did that on LinkedIn. It was a International Security Journal. Is that the one? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, you got published on there. Uh, my friend, uh, the most frequented guest on this show. Um, come on. Your face is in my my mind. <laughs> come on. I can't believe doing this to him. Oh, my goodness. Uh Lee Ockton and Tim Wenzel. 
I can yeah. remember Lee for some reason, but <laughs> Tim Lizzle just popped. So sorry about that, Tim. Sorry to embarrass yeah. you. But yeah. Uh, so what I'm saying is Jim was published in the same article that Tim Lizzle recently published. And I think uh, also Chuck Andrews was published in that thing too, right? Uh, yeah, on the influencer side. So uh, bringing perspective from his side. So Congrats yeah, it, Jim. It's, you know, those are great, great magazines. And yeah. it's really around, um, you know, folks read those things. And again, you don't have to agree with everything, but it brings a perspective. And, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't new. It isn't. But with technology, Jim, it's changed the exposure of how to get in the business. It used to be, you know, we had to know somebody who knew somebody and you have to be either former law enforcement or military even to get a cracked door open to get in. Sure. But now it's the whole industry changed with Facebook platforms and LinkedIn. And now it's a lot easier to get in. But I, I would say there's still safeguards. You, people want you to go get a certification somewhere, of course, just to get the basic understanding. Is that kind of what the article explained about? Yeah, I mean, obviously, technology has changed from you know getting a job to advances to team management uh, to the protection of the technology that's used by our principals. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, there's a whole spectrum of that right. skill set that we need uh, across that board. But the, the the article is little things like um, you know before you go out in the field. Uh, and I use the field very broadly. The field could be a security operations center doing intel. Uh, so before you get out in the field, hey, do you understand what incident command system is? ICS um, from from FEMA, free courses out there. Uh, do you understand um, confidentiality? Do you understand export control? So a lot of things that that are just kind of you know security one hundred and one a little bit before you become. Uh, some section of the EP side. And of course, on the EP side, um, gosh, I think there's like 12, 12, or, 12 or so different kind of subdomains of EP. So uh, drivers, uh, uh, Intel folks, uh, gear management folks, training management folks, um, you know, all these different roles. You know what? It doesn't, you don't have to be quote unquote out in the field to be able to still add value mm-hmm. and bring your skill sets in. Um, you know, hey, guess what? We need uh, finance people to help us do budgeting right. We need marketing people, not for just brochures, but how do we how do we create training for our executives? I'm not good at that. Okay, I got some content, but there's some marketing graphics people. I, we want on EP teams. Yeah, I'm not a marketing point. graphics person. Really well said. So yeah. it's it's there's so many different. Um, uh, different roles in this that you can still under the umbrella of supporting the EP program uh, that is that, that is you know there for many many skill set. That's why I love when I mentor military and law enforcement. Well, I've been doing X, Y, and Z. Well, somebody might have been a, a, an IT uh, technology manager in the military, and they're like, yeah, but I, I like EP, but I've never been a, a PSD guy in the military. Hmm. Guess what? I, we need IT people because we need yeah. case management tools. Mm-hmm. We need websites. We need these things that are sitting on our on our uh, phones. We need all that technology to work. We need you on the EP team. Absolutely. Great points. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What you described, Jim, is what my business consists of. 
I have somebody yeah. do marketing on social media because I hate it. And I don't have the time or the bandwidth to create that stuff and know what software to use to put put that up there. Yeah, with the transformation of technology, IT, and I, what I see is protective intelligence becoming a major player in the security space. And I know there's a lot of companies that think they're going to, okay, we're going to replace all these EP agents and all these guards with uh, camera systems. And when I'm hearing and seeing now, I just saw an article the other day that the burglars are getting smart and now they're hacking these camera systems and they're shutting them down and they're doing hits. So those guys that were all hung up on camera systems and remote monitoring, hey, the, your, the adversaries and the, the robbers are getting smarter. So now we have to figure out ways, workarounds on that now. Yeah, I, um, you know, the first, uh, so in the kind of the cybersecurity side, uh, there's a term called pen testing. We, of course, we do the same thing on the physical side. Mm -hmm. uh, the first pen test that I did in my career was to a camera of a large manufacturer. And we did a test upon that camera, uh, breached it um, very easily. And this is back 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. And we called the manufacturer and said, hey, uh, what's going on? And we talked about how we did it. Of course, full disclosure to them. And they were still going, what do you mean? How did, how, how did you do that? We, we can't do that. So I think that security um, and security lowercase, not just the department, because a lot of decentralized security in, in organizations now, but whether that's a church or my son's business that has a, you know five employees, I was just over this morning working on his uh, camera system. Uh, just before this call. And so uh, guess what? Before we put all that stuff in, great stuff, but how are we going to management going forward? What's your contracts with those manufacturers? Um, I talked to a major manufacturer recently uh, where uh, we had a, a, a client that was installing just a basic alarm system in one of their uh, locations. And we pulled up as all that fancy touchscreen and Fancy, fancy stuff. And they said, well, that's our latest and great. So I pull it up and the software that was running on that little panel had not been manufactured and supported in over five years. Whoa. This was in 2024. Wow. That, that software on that panel had not been manufactured and supported five years. So, hey, camera folks, for example, Mark, the laptop that you're sitting in front of, okay. that has a lot of important information on it. Um, and I've studied this. In fact, my next book will be on this topic. Did you know that there is 84, a minimum of 84 manufacturers of software on your laptop in front of you? I had no clue. Well, guess what? For our principals, for our day-to-day -day operations guys in the EP program, whether or the rest of security, you know, how do we deal with that? Add-on cameras, add-on mm -hmm. GPS trackers that we have in our cars, add-on anything that's got these things called wires in them. It's a fascinating thing. So I, I'm a, as Mark, you know, that I, I put more time of the book and definitions. So we, we kind of figured out what this thing called executive means, and that can vary by organization. But if we if we lost focus on the, what this word protection means. Yeah. Does the executive and the principal and their family and all the important people on that side mm -hmm. or the important people in the company we need to, to protect, 
have we have we narrowed that word protection down to only what we know really well, close protection? Well, now we've got the whole technology side of their world. Are they relying on us as we, we call ourselves executive protection? Are they relying on us to do protection? Or are they relying on us to do a subset of that? That's a good case study right there. Absolutely. Because, because I think we get so caught up in the old mindset of what being EP is or executive protection, but we forget about we need to be ever-changing evolving with current technologies. What are real what are risk? What are the uh penetra- what are the penetration risk? Which is what Jim yep. just brought up. And I think we lose sight on how critical that IT technology infrastructure really is. And social media, high net worth family, uh, we maybe get a burner phone, you know, versus using the client's main phone and just for tracking purposes and stuff. I mean, the capabilities of the, the adversaries getting your information and, you know, tracking your t- private jet tell number going around the world. I mean, that's just craziness, but it can be done. In this, like, yeah. whoa. And I th- I, yeah, and I think that I think we have a responsibility. Uh, my my pastor says it so well. All in every language means all. Ah. And so if our if our executives and our principals and our and their staff and that think that we're doing all protection, and if we don't tell them we're not, and say we're not responsible. So if the pie chart of protection is a is a pie chart, and this one slice is close protection. One slice is their technology and other slices, you know, lots of different things that we do, whether it's driving or whatever like that. Um, if we don't cover all, let's make sure we tell them. Uh, if we're afraid to tell them, we have a problem. But uh, if even if it's a contract like Mark, you and I may do, uh, we may not be covering those other areas. Let's make sure that they know it. Let's be full disclosure and transparent to say, listen, uh, client, this uh, that word protection means a lot to me. And it probably means a lot to you. We're covering X, Y, and Z. If you want us to cover A through Z, different conversation and probably different skill sets that I need to bring in. Um, but let's let's be open and honest with our protectees that, you know what, let's, let's bite the bullet and say protection means this to us. Um, it doesn't mean this to us or, hey, boss, this is this, this is what we bring to the table. We, we, we're going to help you protect these five areas. We, we, and then protect ourselves, protect, you know, protect their information that's sitting in our world. So, you know, if there's information about, say, their medical history sitting on my laptop, I've got a responsibility to protect the technology and the cyber and the information security of this laptop on behalf of my principal. Well said. Yeah, that's just part of the circle, as you said. Yep. It needs to be. Yeah. Jim, you're in Dallas, the Metroplex area. You live there. And I see a major migration. Well, everybody knows there's a big migration going across the country, maybe the world too. And Dallas is just continues to grow and grow and grow. And the infrastructure is just getting massively crazy. And what 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 do you see? I don't know if you have this ability or if this entertains you or not, but 
what what do you see being the new risk and threats to the Texas market, to the what's happening in Dallas? What do you see as far as growth potential? And uh, what are you seeing as issues out there? Yeah, I think that um, uh, I think the industry is uh, there's a lot of security companies. I just did a uh, I went out to Texas Department of Public Safety's Private Security Bureau's website. They have a great uh, transparent document on their stats. And there is, I mean, the number of companies and the number of licensed individuals, uh, which I'm both uh, here in the state of Texas, uh, unbelievable amount. I just couldn't even imagine the, the thousands and tens of thousands of, of companies and, and individuals. And so with that, it says that, um, you know, if, if uh, whether it's... Um, the, the 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 border issues that are going on and that increases um, uh, concerns in the, in the area, um, whether that's uh, migration of folks from other parts of the country, um, you know, where we've got this thing called the ocean in the Gulf of Mexico. And so there's obviously those interesting things. And as as it becomes uh, critical infrastructure more and more and critical to the nation's thing, um, you know what? It, it it becomes an interesting um, perspective of who is here, uh, who is in the state of Texas, uh, what's migrated here. The whole thing around foreign nationals buying up land, uh, foreign organizations buying up land, all of those factors. Um, the th the difference in Texas in my mind is it scale. Yeah, a lot more land, uh, a lot more people it can support. Um, I mean, just in the logistics industry. Um, up here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, even where my son um, has his two warehouses. The number of warehouses, I just drove by one the other day, it was a million square feet. I, I, I can't imagine just the security around that one place. Uh, a big social media company has their a major data center uh, just down from my house. Uh, and so, you know, as, as big as Texas is, people grow bigger. And as they grow bigger, bigger buildings, bigger staff, bigger whatever, uh, that means we have to scale as security professionals, scale what we do. And so uh, we're not going to do a thousand cameras on a warehouse. Stop, 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 stop <laughs> recommending a thousand cameras on a warehouse. Okay? Uh, we're, we're not going to have uh, 25 robots roaming uh, the, the parking lot. Um, not going to happen. You know, and then you add on, uh, good and bad of things like drone. So drone delivery has just been approved in a number of cities. So Walmart, Walgreens, whoever it is. I'm a drone. I'm a licensed drone pilot. Uh, You're great. Well, yes, sir. Pros and cons okay. of that. Uh, and so uh, how, how do you deal with that as a an asset and a threat, uh, whether it's at the, at the facility level or at the principal level? Hmm. Can't shoot them out of the sky. That's a problem. So you're gonna have to have, gonna have, yeah. to have your air traffic control just for drones. Uh, yeah. And so there's a lot of and there's a lot of um, immaturity in the technology side of that. Wow. Uh, still oh. going on. And so uh, there's some good efforts going on. Good advocacy. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, there's a there's a long way to go in that. And of course the 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 cost savings to corporations to start to utilize that is tremendous. 
but that, as you know, um, is not an insignificant uh, thing we have to think about. Texas, uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, from my uh, talking to a lot of pilots, is the most complex airspace in the United States. Did not know that. And so when you take the test for your drone license, wow. guess what airspace that they test you on more than any other airspace? They BMW. use Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, what a nightmare. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, sectional maps and people that know that better than I do um, becomes a very interesting thing from a security perspective of how do we do that? Because you ain't putting that genie back in the bottle. Oh, how many square acreage is Dallas-Fort Worth there for? That's massive. Like a big yeah, city. In uh, last time I talked to somebody over there, um, I just did some SEPTED training with those guys uh, recently. And I think it's around 15,000 um, acres. That's a big farm. Uh, big ranch. Yeah. And so so what do you have on either side? You've got a, a couple of other airports to the left of it. Yeah. Uh, you've got another large airport, Love Field, to the right of it. Uh, you have some uh, presidential, uh, some former presidents that live in the area. So that, you know, takes the cone down differently. So very complex. And so, yeah, add on this thing called drones or UAVs of varying roles and sizes. Yeah. Um, becomes an interesting problem for security.